Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is sponsored by the Thrive Experience by Level. Thrive Experience is a premium daily lifestyle plan to help folks reach physical and mental levels. Contact my friend Uncle Troy at uncletroytroy79.level.com. Get thriving in all areas of your life. Enjoy the show. Good evening. Welcome to Legacy Battle. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and make sure you join the Facebook group. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, please just hit us up in the comments section. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. Here with me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Collegian All-Star, Kevin Adams. And our special guest tonight, he's played for the, the Boston Bruins, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Kevin's favorite team down there, Calgary Flames. But of course, he's, he's most remembered for playing with Tampa Bay, the Lightning. Uh, he's accumulated over 1,100 penalty minutes in his career. He's gone rounds with some of the best enforcers of all time, including Marty McSorley, Gino Ojic, Chris Simon, which I would never step in front of Chris Simon. <laughs> Kudos to that. And, and Ty Domi. You know, everybody knows Domi. So just he was willing to fight for his team. You got to love that, ladies and gentlemen. Stanley Cup winner, Andre Waugh. So, <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Good, good. Thank you for being here. As always, we're gonna have a Q and A after the debate uh, with Andre about his career, and we're gonna start tonight. Um, the debate. What a great picture behind you, Michael! Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I like the beard too. The playoff. Beard there. So. Yeah, looks good. <laughs> So, yeah, tonight's debate is the greatest Stanley Cup team from 2000 to 2009. I know we did the 90s before, so now we're moving up a decade here, the 2000s. And we're going to start with the 2001 Colorado Avalanche. All right, so the 2000 to 2001 Colorado Avalanche. Um, really, this team story kind of starts the year before. Uh, late in the 99-2000 the season, Colorado acquires – uh, the 40-year-old defenseman, Ray Bork, the legend. They bring him in, and, you know, he really – he wanted to get a cup. He had no cups in his career. So he get, he comes in, and he's, he's a big part of their team. Uh, seven goals, uh, 52 assists, which was 11th overall in the league, plus 25, maybe all-star team. He was second for the Norris, uh, Norris Trophy voting. Just great leadership, very inspirational to the team. Um, and then in the playoffs, he had four goals, six assists, plus nine, three power play goals, and a game-winning goal. So this team, Colorado, they were first in the Northwest Division, 52 wins, 118 points. They won a President's Trophy, uh, one of, like, I think seven or eight teams in the last 25, 30 years that have won the President's Trophy and the Stanley Cup. So very impressive. Uh, this team was – this team had some, you know, a good, uh, good amount of stars. They had Joe Sackick. 54 goals was second overall. 
64 assists was fifth, 19 power play goals was second. Then he led the league with a plus 45, plus minus, 12 game-winning goals. In the playoffs, 13 goals, uh, 26 points, five power play goals, and two game-winning goals. That led the playoffs. That was better than everybody. Uh, they had uh, Milan Hayduk, 41 goals. That was seventh overall. He was plus 32. That was seventh. He had nine game-winning goals. That was fourth. They had Alex Tangay. He was a plus 35 on the year. That was sixth overall. Of course, uh, the, the big star, Peter Forsberg, uh, 62 assists. Uh, he was sixth overall. I mean, he was hooking everybody up. He had, he had some injuries during the season, um, but he was still sixth. Uh, and then Chris Drury, he was also over uh, 20 goals. And then you have Patrick Waugh between the pipes. I mean, a legendary goalie there. He had 40 wins on the year, 2.22 goals against average, four shutouts. And it seemed like every week or something, he was breaking another record. Uh, he ended up breaking the, the most wins for a goaltender uh, for their entire career during the season. Uh, Gary Bettman, he came out. He gave him a, a silver, uh, uh, was a silver dipped um, uh, goalie stick. And then uh, the government, uh, the governor of Colorado, he pro he proclaimed it uh, Patrick Wall Week. So a ton of hoopla for Wall during that season. He had a great year. So they get to the playoffs, and uh, round one, they took care of Vancouver real quick. They swept them. They scored 16 goals in four games. No problem with Vancouver. Uh, round two. That one went. That one went the full seven against the Kings, and part of the way through that series, they lost Peter Forsberg. He ruptured, he ruptured his spleen, and he was unavailable for the rest of the season. So that that was a, a lot of adversity that the that the uh, Avalanche had to go through. At that I forgot point. about that. I forgot about yeah, that. So yeah, that, no Forsberg. So then they get to the Western mm -hmm. Conference Finals against St. Louis, and they they win they win it uh, four to one. So you know you would think it was kind of lopsided, but the the kicker about this round was. They lost a double overtime in game three, and then they won game four and game five in overtime. So they played they played a five, you know, five uh, periods, and then they played four periods and four periods. So that was just a ton of hockey that they had to play uh, in that short period of time, but they came out on top. So then they get to the Stanley Cup, and then they got to go against Brodeur and, and New Jersey. Um, they went down three to two. And things were looking kind of bleak for uh, uh, for the Avs at that point. They weren't playing very well. And in game six, uh, Patrick Waugh, I mean, he absolutely stood on his head making save after save. Um, in the first period of that game, the, the Avs were not playing well at all. The Devils were taking all kinds of shots, and Waugh was just doing everything he could um, to, to steal that game. They ultimately, you know, the, the, the offense ignited later, and they won 4 nothing. But that was that was a huge game, and that really kind of – set the tone for the rest. I mean, game seven, Tangay, he comes up with a couple of, uh, you know, huge uh, goals, and they're able to win in, in seven. And really the signature moment about this team was just the respect level that they had for Ray Bork, that, you know, it had been every year, you know, 100 years, however many years it had been, that, you know, of the Stanley Cup, that whoever the captain was would take the cup, and he would be the guy that would raise it above his head. But Joe Sackick and the rest of the Avalanche, they respected uh, Ray Bork so much that he handed that cup to Bork and he let Bork, Bork hoist it above his head. And that was the first time that a non-captain had ever been the first guy to hoist the cup. Um, and so that was just a, that was a signature moment. And really, when you look at the entire decade of you know the NHL for the 2000s, that's really one of the images that really sticks out. Bork was incredible. Did they have Rob Blake, too? 
Was he yeah, already they, there? Yeah, they did. Gosh. He only he only played a, a handful like, of games. Yeah, that's like one A, one B there, though. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty phenomenal yeah. defense. Um, Andre, I, so, I, no, but I was going to say I, I got to uh, play briefly in Boston. My I, I was drafted by the Boston Bruins, so I played like thirteen games over three years. I got to meet Ray Bork, and wow, what a what a phenomenon, a legend, you know, in the room, guys, uh, you could see the respect everybody had uh, towards him and what a defenseman, the way he plays, the way he sees the ice, uh, you know, just a calm guy, good passer, great on PP, PK. So uh, to have him with the abs like that, man, I mean, it was just, uh, they didn't, I forgot about that. They didn't do it that first year they acquired him. It's the, following year, eh, Ray, I think right. the side was going to go for another year, and that's when they went uh, all the way and won the cup for him, so I'm happy for Ray Borg, for sure. All, all the teams down the middle, if you look at all the teams down the middle at center, surprisingly, if Forsberg's out, Colorado is actually going to be yeah. the, the weakest down the middle of all the teams we're talking about tonight, and uh, that that's very surprising. Um, Kevin, you know, you're the Red Wings lover. It, it came up in a prior debate, Detroit, Colorado. So <laughs> the wars that they had, what are your thoughts on Colorado? Nah, I mean, <clears throat> Colorado was a great team. I mean, Sackick, one of the best players to ever play. I mean, Hall of Famer, he's, and isn't he their GM right now, too, over in Colorado? Yeah. Um, doing great things out there in Colorado as a GM. Um, I mean, they had... I don't know how many Hall of Famers on that team. Patrick Ball, greatest goaltender, you know, up there with Pro Door. Um, I mean, hands down, great team uh, to watch the Red Wings and, and the Avalanche go at each other for about a decade. Like this rivalry went on, man, and it was a bloodbath. You'd have Vernon and, and Wall fighting, Osgood and Wall fighting. Like it didn't matter who the goalies were, they were fighting every game. Bench clearing, like, I mean, there were so many fights in those series between them, made for a great robbery. Um, as much as I hated, you know, when they played the Red Wings, uh, you know, you can't deny their talent on that team. Um, hands down, one, one of the best teams uh, of that time era, uh, for sure. Didn't, didn't Claude Lemieux started that 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 fighting and that uh, nasty rivalry by hitting Draper from behind? I think he broke his jaw, Chris Draper. Yeah. It was and from the Darren, side, man. It was from the side. Oh, oh my God. And then Darren McCarthy and yeah. the goalies. Oh, it was awesome. Good All old hockey. <laughs> Gordy Howe hockey. Good old fashioned. Oh, yeah. The hands but Lemieux was proud. <laughs> Claude Lemieux, though, eh? In playoffs. He was oh, tough. My God. Oh, yeah. My. He, he was a dirty uh, player to play oh, against. He, but He would get on against his skin, too, you know? I mean, he would oh, just drive yeah. guys nuts. Yeah. And that's why teams, they, they did move to acquire him, like at the deadline. You know, even the Sharks, uh, he finished with the Sharks. I don't know how old he was, but the Sharks needed, they were always a good paper and a uh, good paper, a good team in the regular season. But going to playoffs, they always missing that something. They even brought in Claude Lemieux, who was like, I don't know, 40, whatever. It didn't work out for the Sharks, but everywhere he went in Jersey and Colorado and Montreal at the beginning. That guy in the playoffs, he was a guy that showed up and uh, you wanted to have on your team. Uh, and we'll, we'll finish with this on Colorado. Sadly, this was the end of their run. Um, the NHL did not have a salary cap back then, and that team started to yeah. have to be broken up. Um, 
And the reason why a big reason why the salary cap came in is because the team we're going to talk about a little bit later, Kevin's representing. <laughs> but uh, let's move on to the 2004 Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> of course, yes, Andre Wall played for them. Um, so I'll be representing them tonight. This was their first Stanley Cup. Um, I mean, obviously they were, you know, fairly new team came in in the 90s. Um, you know, they were not ranked like preseason odds, even in the top 10 to win the Stanley Cup. So it, it was a little bit of a shock from that standpoint. Um, but they had the second highest point total that season with 106 points and they were plus 53 on the goals, which is pretty impressive. They were, of course, led by Marty St. Louis. He was the leading scorer of the NHL that year. He had 38 goals, 94 points. 94 points is definitely a down year for scoring. Um, but uh, that's we'll talk about the, the, the lockout in a little bit here. But uh, they had six players with 20 or more goals. That is very productive. You're getting more production for more than just one line, which is great. And then Fedotanko had 17 goals, and he missed some games that year. So, you know, he, he could have been up at 20 there. And then on defense, I mean, you start with Dan Boyle, Pavel Kabina. Uh, Kabina was an all-star that year. Boyle was basically a perennial all-star, made the all-star a lot of times. And then they had brought in uh, Sidor um, via a trade later on in the year for their playoff run. Uh, of course, he was uh, also part of a, a Penguins, I believe, playoff run that we're going to talk about later too. And then you know, between the pipes, you got Hobby Bowling, the Bowling Wall. I mean, that that's – he had one of the greatest years that any goalie could have. Um, that season, he put up a 2.33 goals against average, um, which is very impressive. And he won 28 games. And then, uh, you know, you look down the middle, they got Vinny LeCavillet, uh, Brad Richards, who won the Conn Smythe Trophy, really turned it on in the playoffs that year, Richards did. And then Marjorie Martin, Wall. Andre Watt. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that, actually. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm getting to it. Definitely. You're on, no, no, you're no. on here. But, uh, yeah, so Marty wins the Art Ross, um, led the league in scoring, like I said, Lester B. Pearson Award, Ted Lindsay Award, Plus Minus Award, Tortorella won the Jack Adams Coach of the Year Award, um, and the, the Lightning led the league in shorthanded goals that year with 15. And, of course, Marty had eight of them. Everybody knows how deadly he was on the penalty kill. And then, you know, they beat the Islanders in the, in the first round of the playoffs, four games to one, and they swept Montreal. Boy, you gotta put, they put Montreal into shock. All Canada shut down after that one. <laughs> <laughs> they were not expecting to lose to a team from Florida, you know, oh, yeah. as, as they yeah. say. And then, you know, had a little bit of trouble with the Flyers. I believe Roenick was there that year, but they still beat them four to games of two. And then in the Stanley Cup Finals, first ever Stanley Cup Finals, they take the Flames four games of three. Lightning had never won a game seven, so they win it in game seven. Uh, Kippersoff's save percentage was nine, .924 in, in the playoffs, which he wasn't giving up much. Oh. But – um, you know, they had a lot of role players, too, and a lot of guys that, you know, chipped in throughout the season beyond, you know, the, the Cavaliers and the St. Louis. You had Corey Stillman, Chris Dingman, Andre Wall. These guys were, you know, <laughs> fighting for their team, keeping them up. And, of course, I got to mention – yeah, there you go. I got to mention <laughs> the, the captain, you know. You talked about Ray Bork with Colorado. We had that same story with Dave Andrychuk, 20s gosh, 20-some-plus years in the league, had never won a Stanley Cup, 
and he was captain of this team. Uh, his leadership uh, on the team cannot be understated. And and the one thing I will say about the Lightning from 04 is I really believe they were set to win again in 05. They had, in my opinion, yeah. the best team going forward, but we run into the <laughs> NHL lockout. And when they come back in 06, the league is completely different. And, and, and Tampa was just not built for the new style of play, let's say. Um, and, and Tortorella had to uh, adjust his game as well, as far as coaching goes. But Andre, I'm, a, I'm coming to you. This, this was your team. These were, these were your boys. I mean, maybe just start with Andrew Chuck. Like, what, what was his leadership, like, meant to that team? Yeah, well, you mentioned it, like, all his, his experience. He played so many years in the league, 500-plus goals in the league. So, uh, he was just so good uh, in front on the ice. I mean, he was just so good with his stick, long stick. Uh, would park himself in front of the goalie and a lot of rebounds, tips. And I remember in practice, too, he would just practice that. And he, guys would shoot pucks. He would just tip every puck that's in the air. He was unbelievable with his stick. But his uh, leadership, too, in the locker room, I think uh, that that was big. And and you need that in, the, like, teams that, that want to go far and win championships. You need a little uh, contribution from different guys and, and different guys bring different stuff. And Andrew Chuck was a guy that, that had that experience. He was a calm guy, too, when it was time to talk. He wasn't the guy that breaks things and just starts uh, yelling at guys. That just calm and explaining the, the situation. And uh, that, that was just great to have a guy like Andrew Chuck, you know, and uh, just a, a tremendous leader. What a career. And, uh, yeah, he was a, a big factor for us also uh, with Afanasenkov and Tim Taylor. They were the, the line that played against the big line. So they were the check-in line. They were always out against the, the, the lines that score goals. So they, they did a good job there too. So, again, Andy uh, with his long stick, killing penalties, he did it all. So he, he was a big uh, factor for us that year too. And then the, the one-two punch at center with uh, Richards and, and LeCavalier, I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's about as good as they can get in the NHL, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. And uh, I remember that first round, it was uh, a lot of Marty St. Louis, Brad Richards, Freddie Modine. That was the line. And they scored a lot of goals. They were big in that series. And and we didn't see as much of uh, Fedotenko, LeCavalier, and Corey Stillman. But in the second round against the Habs, it was the other way around. So that was good to see that different lines, different guys would step up and contribute when other guys weren't, you know, chipping in. So we had those two top lines, plus, like I said, the Andy Taylor, Afanasenkov, too, once in a while, and also our line, me, Chris Dingman, uh, Eric Perrin was there at first, then they switched it up with Martin Seaback. Uh, but we, we chipped in a couple times also, but uh, obviously the two top lines, they, they were unreal, getting big goals at the right time in overtime or late goals to help us win. So, uh, yeah, just a good contribution overall from everything, uh, from everyone. And especially, uh, we mentioned Habi Bull, and I always tell people, if you want to win a championship, you need good goaltending, that's for sure. If not, you're not going to win. And, 
And it's something here because I'm in the in Canada, you know, they, the, the Canadians, Montreal Canadians, they talk about about Carey Price. They always say he's the best goalie in the league. It's <laughs> just uh, he, he can't, you know, it's tough for him. He probably doesn't have the team in front of him. But, you know, you to, 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 to bring your team to the next level, you need to be the best player on your team. And he's paid. He's paid to be the best player, but he's just not there yet, I guess. So, Habi Bulin was there. And if you look at Vasilevsky last year, he did that for the Lightning, too. So, I mean, if you have everybody on their game, you have good chances to, to, to go all the way. And that's what we did in 04. Brian, do you think with the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, is this kind of what, like, finally solidified Florida as, like, okay, they are a hockey state? You know, they, they can hang with the big boys. Did it take yeah. that? Because, I mean, we know the Panthers made it back in the 90s. They didn't win it, of course, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it definitely solidified things. I mean, it's uh, – and really, Florida hockey needed it really bad. I, and the thing that really jumps out to me about this team was, like, it was one that we probably should have saw coming as fans, but they kind of came out of nowhere, like you said. I mean, they weren't really – you know, not a lot of people were picking them in the preseason or anything like that. And even I remember after they did well in the regular season, I had, you know, myself, I'm thinking, is this kind of a fluke or is this, or are these guys for real? Then they go through the playoffs and have the playoff run that they had. And it was like, you had to have your hats off to them. I mean, they just had one heck of a season. They got hot. They got hot. Yeah, we, 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 we got a good run that year uh, in December somewhere. We lost a couple games. We had a big team meeting. Guys chirping each other and telling the F-bombs, whatever, you know. But we needed that. It's like we needed something to and, – and I don't know, from one from from then on, we started winning. We went on the street, started winning as a team, and uh, the confidence built on. And then we didn't lose too many games. We lost a couple, but we were more uh, – winning way more games. And from there, uh, like you said, it's true. At the beginning of the year, team – People didn't see the lightning go uh, as far as we did, but we we proved proved them wrong, and we had all the players to, and the team. I think if we look at our roster to go all the way, I didn't mention our D, but we all know Kubina, Danny Boyle, Daryl Sador. They did a great job, Stillman and Pratt, and uh, guys that shipped in uh, there so that year. So, but but it's funny you mentioned uh, in Florida we needed that, but nobody's like, oh, come hockey in Florida and that, but. Everybody always told me, they were like, uh, how do you play hockey in Florida? There's no fans. And I was like, no, 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 there, there is fans. In Tampa, it was, uh, there was some rough years. But I think as we went on, even the season in 03, we lost second round to the Devils. Slowly, people started getting more interest in the team. And there's a lot of Canadian people, too, that come down on vacation there, have condos. So, and, and But in the community, the fan base, people got more and more interested in hockey and the Lightning. And the next year was crazy. Like, even now, they sell out. They sold out for I don't know how many seasons. But the, the fan base, the people, it's unreal uh, to play in Tampa. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the 2002 Detroit Red Wings, and it's pretty obvious who's representing them. So, <laughs> how, how can you tell? I mean, you know, I'm not gonna. Yeah, better off. Yeah, is that Eisenman? Was that? <laughs> no, that's, hey, was... so the white the white one's Osgood. 
Fedorov was the first one I showed you, obviously, and then I got Zetterberg on right now. Uh, yeah, okay. was that soup there too? That soup was he yeah. there yet? Yes, yeah, he was. was. They know too. Yeah, so Unreal player. Wow. Yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two. Uh, hands down, if, if this team does not win this debate, you all don't know hockey, including you, Andre. Throw down the gauntlet. That's right, I am, because... Dude, Andre will drop the gloves on you. You better be careful. No, no, no. No, but I, I got to agree. In 0-2, they finished first overall, right? They were just yeah. the best team. They didn't lose many games, I think, that year, the Red Wings. And, and when you hear the list of players that I'm about to ramble off, oh, I don't yeah. even need to go into statistics. So, I mean, 0-1-0-2 Red Wings, it was the 76th season for them in Detroit. Uh, they finished with 116 points, uh, won the Central Division, it was their third President's Trophy. Their record was 51-17, 10-4. Um, and they had home ice advantage throughout the playoffs because they ended up you know, winning the President's Trophy for their best record. Uh, this team is definitely considered one of the greatest teams in NHL history um, and had 10 future Hockey Hall of Famers on that team, um, and as well as their coach, Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman has won a number of Stanley Cups, Hall of Fame coach, one of the best yeah. coaches to ever stand behind the bench. Uh, took the Penguins to win their second cup after Badger Bob died. Um, Bowman's hands down one of the best coaches to ever coach the game. Uh, the season before, uh, Detroit had you know a shocking loss in the first round. I believe it was the L.A. Kings uh, in 2000-2001. Um, and so then they, they went out and kind of helped bolster the roster. So they picked up Dominic Hastic, Hall of Fame goalie, Brett Hall, Hall of Fame forward, Luke Robitaille. I mean, come on. That was, <laughs> it was like the New York Yankees yeah. of, of the NHL right there. Come on. Yeah. And, and no was, salary was, cap. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they joined, they joined Chris Chelios, Sergei Fedorov, Igor Larionov, Nicholas Lindstrom, Brendan Shanahan, Steve Eiserman. That, that whole – that's half their team is, is Hall of Fame. I mean – Larionov, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I said, I said that. You said Larionov. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Half the team was Hall of Famers. I mean, come on. And then they had Yuri Fisher, who's a decent support player. All-star uh, Steve Duchesne. Thomas Holmstrom was a decent player. Then they had the grind line. You know, I'm sure Andre would probably would have been afraid of himself. Uh, yeah. line. Draper, Maltby, McCarty. Uh, Marty LaPointe. Marty LaPointe was good, too. Yeah, and they had uh, Datsuk in his rookie season. Um and then, you know, like I said earlier, I rounded out with Scotty Bowman. Uh, there was no all-star game that year um, because actually the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympics were that year. The Red Wings had 11 players representing countries in those Olympics uh, that year, um, which basically, I mean, you know, the Olympics is basically all-star all-star quality games. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they, like I said, they finished their division first, Western Conference in first, the league in first. In 2014, a Bleacher Report reporter – uh, did an article of the best Stanley Cup winning teams in the last 25 years from 2014. That writer ranked this team number one out of all the teams in the last 25 years. With the 10 Hall of Famers, Hall of Fame coach, I don't blame them. They beat the defending champs 2000-2001 Avalanche in the semifinals to go to the Stanley Cup. Um, they beat Carolina Hurricanes in the finals 4-1. to uh, They had beat Vancouver in the first round, who Vancouver actually had the most goals scored uh, in the league at 254 that season. Uh, the Red Wings had finished like plus 64 uh, more goals than, than allowed uh, that season. Uh, NHL.com actually has a list of the top 10 greatest NHL teams in the history of the NHL. This team landed in that list at number 10. 
There was only two other teams that landed in that list from 1990 to present day. And you guessed it, one of those two teams was the 97-98 Red Wings, which also had pretty much almost this whole team that was on the 0-1-0-2 team. So the, these players have two teams in the top yeah. 10 for best in the history of NHL on, on NHL.com. Greatest team that we're going to discuss tonight <laughs> is this team right here. Number of Hall of Famers, how they played, four players at 30-plus goals, Dominic Hasek between the pipes. Come on. This is the greatest team that we're going to talk about tonight and of this decade and maybe a couple decades before and after. I mean, come on. Well, not before because you, you had the Oilers in the 80s and whatnot. But definitely this team should take the cake tonight, gentlemen. I think the 92 Penguins probably could have kept up with them. But um, there's players you didn't even mention. Thomas Holstrom. No, I did say uh, him. You did? Okay. And then on yes. defense, I'm, I'm looking at this roster. Uwe Krupp was an all-star in his career. Frederick Olsson was an all-star in his yeah, career. Yeah, Olsson. There wasn't anybody, I don't think, on this roster who wasn't an all-star at some point. Yeah. Even Brent Giltris was – I don't know if he made an all-star, but he had a very solid career. I mean, it, thank, thank God for the salary cap a few years later because mm-hmm. they totally <laughs> bought this. But, uh, you know, I, Andre, I, I mean, I'm sure you could tell us a bunch about that team, but uh, I noticed Steve Avery was in that on that Sean team. Avery. Or, Sean or, Avery. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, Sean Avery. Yeah, Steve Avery. I'm thinking Atlanta Braves. Yeah, Sean Avery. So, uh, did you ever get into a tangle with that guy? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I tried to fight him. I don't know how many times. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. But, see, I, uh, he chirped a lot. And, and you know, I, I tried. I asked him to fight a couple of times. He always denied. And I'd have to fight whoever was there, uh, you know, in, in New York. It was Colton Orr or... Sandy McCarthy or, uh, you know, there were other guys next to him to protect him, kind of. So, but he did his job well. And, uh, you know, I think he got under everybody's skin. So, uh, but, yeah, I don't think he he didn't go with the heavyweights. Uh, Not not that I was. Well, I fought all the heavyweights, but I always tell people I didn't really consider myself a heavy. You know, I just go, who cares, let's go, you know, but – uh, Avery didn't fight. He fight all the middle guys more, more I'd say. But yeah, Brian, he had a career it, out of it. <laughs> Brian, is, is there a weakness on this team that, that you have seen anywhere, or is this just <laughs> not really, man? I mean, it was pretty much an all-star team. You know, it's uh, yeah. like you said. I mean, thank God the salary cap came out, or else it was just going to be like this forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, if you when when you look at the like uh, you mentioned all the all star players, there's ten or eleven. If they lost that year, I think Bowman would have lost his job and the GM too, you know, because <laughs> they had such a great team on paper compared to let's say us or other teams that won the cup, you know. So they 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 were favorite for sure. Andre in a seven game series. Who are you taking, Patrick Wall or Dominic Hasek? I mean, that's the question of questions there. I go with Wah. I with I, I just like yeah, not because I have the same name. I I know Asik is unreal, <laughs> but I I remember young growing up here in Montreal. I I've seen Patrick Wah. He won some Stanley Cups, two of them here. Then went to Colorado, when, and I heard guys playing with him. How he was, you know, when when it was crunch time, he he decided that, like I guess some at one point he he told the guys. Um, 
you know, just, just, uh, I think it was one nothing for the other team. They tied it. And he said, uh, just go ahead and score a goal. I guarantee you there's no, no other goal that are, that's going to come in against me, you know. So, and I guess he just, uh, he, he talked the talk, you know, basically. So when he said, you know, uh, guys, uh, don't worry, just go and play the game and I'm going to take care of the rest defensively, <laughs> he would do it. So he's known as a clutch player in playoff time to perform and, I think I would go with Wa, and it's not a bad pick. Asik too, but I think Wa is has uh, proven himself. Uh, I've always said the same in a seven-game series. There's no goalie I'd take over Wa, but I feel like if I only had to win one game, I feel like <coughs> Dom, the Dominator could steal it. You know, if I had to win one game, yeah. the Dominator could be the guy who steals it. But yeah, he could, he could. He's a little everywhere, but he did the job. Eh? Just like. <laughs> His pads flying everywhere, and uh, but he he was good. He was actually a amazing goalie. Yeah. All right, let's uh, move on to our final team of the night. That's going to be the 2009 Pittsburgh Penguins. It, it's uh, it's ironic uh, looking at all the teams we discussed when we did the '90s Cup show. Three of the same teams win again in, in the yeah. in the mid 2000s. So. We're going we're gonna to split this 2009 Penguins team up a little bit here uh, between Kevin, myself, and I'm sure Brian will add something in. But So we start out, they, they had lost the Stanley Cup in six games in 2008 to the Detroit Red Wings. Um, you know, they come in the next season, Michelle Terrian's our coach. He's a very strict coach, um, was very hard on the players. Probably not as strict as, as Andre had with Torts, but uh, you know, <laughs> Tarion has has quite the reputation out there. And the Penguins is midseason. They were barely hanging on to a playoff spot. I think at one point they might have been the 10 seed, something like that. Um, and things were getting really bad, and the players were not responding any any yeah. longer to to Tarion. So they make a coaching change, and they bring in Dan Balsma, who, who really this was like his first professional coaching gig and the Penguins go on a tear. They play, change the style of play. Bowsman is a much more laid back guy um, than, than Tarion was. And it was just exactly what they needed, a shot in the arm. And of course, you, you take this team, you start, you look right down the middle. We've been talking about centers all night. You got Sidney Crosby on line one, Evany Malkin on line two, and Jordan Stahl on line three. Uh, that's a pretty top-heavy center line there. And, of course, they had they had good wingers as well. They brought in Bill Guerin at the trade deadline for that veteran leadership. He was solid. Um, they, and they a much underlooked move was they brought in Miroslav Satan from the Buffalo Sabres, who came in and filled in on a spot on the fourth line. And his, you know, great playing days were past him, but he was very mm-hmm. effective for them in the playoffs at that point. And of course, you got Gonchar back on the point uh, on defense and a very young Chris Letang. I know there's a lot of Letang haters in Penguins Nation for some reason, but uh, a very young <laughs> Letang, and, and, and he played really well for him. And then between the pipes, you got the flower, Marc-Andre Fleury. I think uh, Pittsburgh fans are still clamoring for him to come back, but he, he was he was magnificent. Uh, a save that sticks out was game seven in the second round against the Washington Capitals, Crosby Ovechkin. Ovechkin gets a breakaway at the beginning of the game, 
Flower gets it with the glove, and that just set the tone for the rest of the game. And I think the Pens ended up winning like 5-1, 5-2, something like that. It ended up being a breeze, and this was supposed to be an epic game seven, Crosby, Ovechkin, and uh, Flurry set the tone on that. So, you know, they, they, they took out the Washington Capitals, who, of course, were their nemesis. In the Stanley Cup, they get to the Cup. They're up against the Detroit Red Wings once again, back-to-back here, going against Detroit. And uh, it was a back-and-forth series. The home teams held home all the way up until Game 7, which uh, they go into that game in Detroit. Detroit was heavily favored to win at home. And uh, I think it's first period, Sidney Crosby gets injured and doesn't really play the rest of the game. I think he played like one more shift or something. And, uh, you know, one of the guys that you might not think of comes up big, Maxim Talbot, comes up big, scores two goals in the Stanley Cup final. And we get the big save from Marc-Andre Fleury with basically one second left. Nicholas Lindstrom fires that shot. Fleury dives across the goal and makes makes the save. And uh, Penguins win the Stanley Cup, of course. Kevin will go into their stats in a little bit, but there was one other thing I wanted to mention. I believe it was game six against Detroit and Pittsburgh. We get what they call the shift from Brooks Orpik, like six hits in 30 seconds. You know, it's on YouTube. You can find it. <laughs> if I find it, I'll probably put it on here on the video clips. But uh, basically, you know, got him a $4 million contract for one shift there, <laughs> you know, for the next six years. So yeah, he like, the, like four guys in the yeah. corner. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that's 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 the that's the Penguin story. Kevin will give you some of the stats, and then Brian, I know you had something to say about him too. So, yeah. So of course, you know, Penguins are my favorite team, obviously, because I'm from Pittsburgh. And this was actually two years in a row that you know I, I wasn't disappointed with who won because Detroit was my second team uh, growing up that I really liked. Um, so to have my two favorite teams in the finals two years in a row was pretty nice. But just kind of putting into perspective, you know, you had mentioned that. Uh, team was struggling mid-season they were actually yeah they were five points out of a playoff position uh in February midway through February they were 27 25 and 5 um and when they brought in uh Bausma, they actually ended up going on a tear like you said and they went 18 3 and 4 and in the month of March they went 10 1 and 2 uh only losing that, that one game in regulation in, in March and uh one of the other trade uh trade uh, uh that they did to bring in somebody you didn't mention was Chris Kunitz from Anaheim. They sent Ryan Whitney over to Anaheim uh, to bring in Kunitz, and Kunitz was a great winger. Like, it was a nice spark that that really got the team going uh, at the end of February there, going into March, and uh, and then they added uh, Bill Guerin at the beginning of March, like you had mentioned, for that leadership. Um, I mean, they made some great uh, decisions there going into the trade deadline to get this team pushed into a playoff spot, and they, they ended up finishing second in the Atlantic and fourth in the Eastern, and their final record uh, for the season was 45-28-9, um, and they actually were about, about plus 25-ish, I think, on goals, uh, four over goals allowed, um, and Flower, great goalie, you know, he's not going to be coming back to Pittsburgh. Vegas isn't going to let him go right now. I mean, the dude's having probably one of the best oh seasons of his God. career. And he's what, like thirty, like six now, maybe something like that, thirty-five, like thir- somewhere around there. And he's getting up there in age, and he's playing like he's still 
in his 20s. I went to his first game in Pittsburgh, and, and he stuffed Ziggy Palfi on a penalty shot uh, with his bright gold uh, yellow pads, and the place went crazy <laughs> when he stuffed Palfi on the on the penalty shot. But we're not getting him back. But anyways, I'm getting off topic here. Um, but, yeah, so that, that season they actually uh, qualified for their third uh, consecutive season because we all know um, Penguins had hit a rough spot, especially after Yager left. Uh, and then Straka was gone. Kovalev was gone. You know, we dropped down to, like, the worst team in the league. Um, and then the lockout came, and we we made a lot of signings, thinking the team was going to be good when he brought in LeClaire, Recky, Palfi. Um, and we just wasn't having because of the change of the game. You had mentioned the lightning uh, after the lockout, not having uh, what it, you know, what it took really new to the Penguins. But then we get Crosby, we get Malkin, two young studs, two-headed dragon, just like Lemieux and Yager. Um, yeah, I mean, they turned it Stahl, around. Stall with that big shorthanded goal in game six, too. You know, that was huge. But, uh, yeah. Brian, what, what were you going to say about the Pens? Well, I've got, I got three separate thoughts. I mean, first off, the season before, they go against the Red Wings in the finals. Uh, we all remember, you know, Flurry. he comes out of the, you know, out of the gate, he trips. And, and yeah. they just, the team looked very, like, like almost like they didn't believe that they belonged there that year. And it was it was so cool to see them do a 180 when they got there the next time against Detroit, and it was like we belong here. This is you know we're we're gonna we're gonna win this one this time. So yeah. that was really cool. Um, a big moment in the playoffs. I don't remember if it was the second or third round, but against the Flyers, Maxine Talbot, he starts a fight. I mean the the, the Penguins were getting their they were getting their bus kicked, but. You know, he, he had the, the famous, you know, sh as he was going off the ice, you know, going to the, the penalty box. It seemed that for some reason, it seemed to ignite the team, you know, just like, I mean, sometimes that's what a team needs, a fight to get, you know, to just kind of reset your emotions and, and, and get things going on the right track. And that was a place that you could point to in that playoff season where things really started to turn around for the Penguins. And the last thought I had was with Dan Balsma, when he came in and took over that team, he knew a lot of those guys already. He had spent seasons, several seasons with Wilkes-Barre, you know, the, the farm team. So he knew a lot of those guys already. And those yeah. guys, I believe, responded well to him because of that familiarity. It wasn't like bringing somebody in that didn't, you know, didn't know the system or didn't know anybody on the team, you know, to, to kind of dictate things. It was, you know, here's a guy we already trust, you know, let's go with him. And he got some amazing results there, uh, you know, towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. And and how about uh, Marianosa? They go get him yep. in 08, goes to the final, they lost. He signs with Detroit. Yep. They go to the final and he lost again because the Penguins won that year. So Osa, two years in a row, poor guy. But he finally yeah, yeah. won, I think, in Chicago a couple of years after. But wow. And, and, the, and the comments he made when he didn't re-sign with Pittsburgh, they offered him a huge contract and he said he wanted to win a Stanley Cup. So he went yep. to Detroit. <laughs> Press wow. got all over him on that one. But oh Andre, you, you played with the Penguins in 2006, right? Or 06, 07 season, I'm thinking? Yeah, yeah, after the lockout. So uh, I missed yeah. a full year in 05, yeah. So you, you saw a very young Crosby and Malkin. Yeah. Was Latang there already? Or I know Flower was, but. Uh, no, no, Latang came to camp, though. Came to really, camp? Really, uh, yeah. So could you see that these guys were going to become, like, what they became? Uh, yeah. Well, Sid, right away, you know, we uh, heard about him first overall. You, you see all the highlights, and uh, people are like, wow, he is the real deal. And 
you saw it right away. You know, he fit in. He wasn't behind. Uh, like some guys come in, they need a certain adjustment. But Sid, you could tell he was right on uh, in great shape. He's so disciplined, self-disciplined. It's unreal. And I tell people that, you know, he was, uh, especially when you're 18, 19, 20, a lot of these young guys come in, you make a little money, you know, you want to party and, uh, you know, have fun. But Sid, Sid is a different human being. I mean, he's not that he's, he doesn't party, probably does in, in the summertime, but in the course of a season, the guys, it's so, uh, it's about hockey. You know, he wants to improve himself and, even at 18, he was doing uh, plyometrics and all kinds of stuff. Guys will be doing bench press and stuff, but Sid, it was more stuff uh, about speed and, and getting stronger on the legs and on the on the ice. You know, he was still young, but you could see uh, as it went on the season, you know, as uh, he knew that uh, teams were just physical on him. They knew, uh, I think, the approach of teams was be hard on him, be physical. So that was a tough part for me to, uh, because I know they brought me in to a little bit protect Sid. And uh, there was Ryan Vandenbush also. But, I mean, there was seven, eight guys just going at him, playing rough. You'd fight one, but then there's another guy, another guy. And then, <laughs> so it was a tough job to, to protect Sid, but. And especially, you know, I think as a at a young age, too, Sid, um, that's the only thing. But he, he learned from that, you know. He was uh, trying to influence the ref always. Like when he would get hit hard, you know, he, he would snap his head back, which it, it didn't look too good all the time. Or he would yell at the ref and, uh, you know. But I think as it went on, he kind of understood that, you know, that's how it's going to be for him because he's the best player in the league. And. He, he gained some maturity and just became uh, put the that aside and just focus on his game and you know with the rest is history. He played as a thousand game uh, last week, so what a yeah. career and uh, yeah, just amazing player. Hey, one one thing I want to point out real quick, Mike, to show yeah. how important Gino and Sid were to the team that season. Yeah, Gino one hundred thirteen points, Sid one hundred three points. Sid played five less games than Gino, but the next highest point total on that team for that season was 49 points. And that was Jordan Stahl. So you have six, almost 60 points separating the top two scorers on that team. Gino and Sid, they basically carried that team. And same thing in the playoffs. Yeah. Gino had 36 points, Sid had 31, and Bill Guerin was the next at 15. What did, like they what did, carried that what did Gonchar team. have? Point-wise for the season or for playoffs? Both. Anchar only had 19 points, but he only right, played 25 right. games. He only played 25 games. Oh, that was that year. Okay, yeah. yeah, right. yeah Mal Mal Malkin came. Uh, I was talking about Sid's rookie year. Malkin wasn't there, eh? Oh five, oh six. I think it was oh six, oh seven, right? That that uh, Sid and him had a hundred whatever, and three and a hundred five. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 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 So I played with Gino after and Sid, but Gino too. Wow. Just a strong run. Didn't speak any word English, you know. But uh, he would so, uh, you know, he, he just long reach. Uh, not Mario Lemieux. I'm not gonna compare him to Mario, but long stick, long reach, and strong. You know, would just go around guys and uh, unreal. Just uh, another clutch player. You know, just sit in him was crazy. Yeah, like you mentioned to watch. Uh, together, wow! When when they were on their game, holy cow! 
Nobody it, can stop him. His breakaway against Brodeur won me over. When he, I believe it was his rookie wow. season. That breakaway, oh, man. Gino. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about them all night, I'm sure. But before we go into our vote, let's do our trivia question. Tonight's trivia question for a prize. Prior winners are ineligible. Put your answers in the Facebook group section. We'll get it mailed out to you if you get the, get the right answer. Name the movies these two fictional teams played in. The Omaha Icebreakers and the Highlanders. And what city are the fictional Rain City Bitch Pigeons from? So if you get all three of those, <laughs> we'll get you your prize mailed out to you. So let's uh, let's move into our vote. Can't vote for your own as usual as always. So Kevin, let's start with you. As much as I don't like the Avalanche, I'm gonna have to go with them. Um, you know, Ray Bork, Sackick, Forsberg, Waugh, Blake. I mean, that was that that team was an all-star team too. You know, great franchise, great uh, season they had. Um, always nemesis to my Red Wings, but I'm gonna have to go with them since I can't go with my own. <laughs> Brian, well, I mean, the thing I like about these teams, um, you know, Colorado, Pittsburgh, and, and and Tampa, it was that they they weren't maybe the the best teams in the league that season, but they they overcame a lot of adversity. They all had different moments in the season where they just had to overcome something, and I, I thought that was really something that should be shouted out. But, I mean, when I'm just looking at these teams and looking at the results, i gotta got to hold my nose and i got to pick the, the Red Wings, uh, unfortunately. But, uh, I mean, they, they just were the best. They were the most dominant team. I mean, they are, they're probably a top ten team all time. So uh, it's uh, it's really just uh, tough for the other, two, the other three teams to compete. I love the Lightning. I'm not allowed to vote for them because they were the, the team I represented. Um, I mean – the Penguins, they were good, but they, I don't think, compared to Colorado or Detroit uh, as far as a full-rounded roster. Uh, when I look at the goalies, I mean, Wall and Hasek, I could call that a wash, you know, call that a wash. Sackick and Eisenman, I'll call that a wash. But then just the depth with Detroit. When your fourth-line center is probably Pavel Datsuk or Larry Onoff, I mean – I, I think you're doing pretty good yeah. if that's your fourth line center. So I got to yeah, take Detroit as well. Andre, I, you can take anybody you want. <laughs> I can't go against my team, you know, Tampa. But uh, no, but <laughs> seriously, if I look at all these teams, I think Detroit is unreal. The roster they had, you know, uh, you guys mentioned all the Hall of Famers. Uh, like you said, the, the fourth line with Datsuk and uh, Holmstrom, I think. And, uh, wow, what a roster they had. But on the other hand, I know, like, I was in the locker room with us, you know, the way we didn't have that that star player but uh, type of roster, you know, but just the way guys, uh, the way we showed up uh, every series, the way we advanced, you know, uh, you know, I uh, – I, I like the, the Tampa Bay Lightning for sure because I was part of it and I witnessed a lot of things. But if we compare talent and, and teams, uh, I can't go I can't go against the, the Detroit Red Wings, that's for sure, too. Yeah. You you and the Pittsburgh team we talked about, the Lightning team and the Pittsburgh team we talked about, you guys had the hardest battle, you know, in, in the seven-game series for sure. So, but uh, – Yeah. Let, Let's move into our Q&A. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. No, Calgary no, no. was tough. Definitely. Kipper soft. Oh, my God. Amazing oh. in goal. So, Kevin, we we'll never just be... questions tonight. Go ahead. Okay. No, no, no I, was ahead. Just going, I was just going to add, like, real quick before we go, because you're saying Calgary. I think we never – Philly was physical, but Calgary was such – I think their the way their approach was – we got to play some tough, hard-nosed hockey be in their face. And guys, Marty was all banged up. Fedotenko was banged up. Stillman, Richard's shoulder. The way they played, they were so physical, you know. Uh, defensively, guys, they all had like, they had probably seven, eight guys that could fight, you know. the Simon Olewa, Ference, Red Warner, Robin Regeard, they were, wow, so... That was a good test for us, and we came out beat up with that series. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we won the, the – we were fortunate to win the Cup, but what a tough series against the Flames. Yeah. Go ahead. Again, like killed it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Go, yeah. Go ahead, Kev. Yeah, so, I mean, you won the Cup with the Lightning in 04. It's kind of – what was that like uh, in the atmosphere, uh, you know, in Tampa at that moment? And, you know, what was that your experience like in that? Oh, man, it was awesome. Just, uh, you know, at the beginning, still, it was loud, you know, playoffs, the aisles, uh, and I got to score the first goal of the Tampa Bay Lightning in the series 2004. It was a goal by Andre Waugh, and uh, <laughs> it's true. We were we were tied 0-0, second period. I, I barely played, so Torch puts me out there. I intercepted a pass from Cairns. Eric Cairns trying to go D to D. I went breakaway. Top cheese on DiPietro. Here you go. Nice. So one nothing. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know. Uh, Set the tone was, for the series. Set yeah, the tone. exactly. But it was loud with the thunder sticks and all the, you know, like, uh, and uh, we beat them. Then Montreal, it, it was in four, but I think two of those wins were in OT. So two or three, two, two of them, I think. So uh, then uh, as we went on, uh, third round was – uh, playing in Philly too, it was something, you know. Where they they had all the orange crush, they called them. <laughs> they would give away orange T-shirts to every fan. We'd go in the building, and it was, oh my God, am I in a Cheetos commercial here? Or what? <laughs> it was crazy. The building was back in orange, but uh, it was tough in Philly. And I think the fact that we had all mice the whole run uh, helped us. And and then obviously in the final, uh, wow with the fans and everything as we advance. It hit me when when we reached the final, and then I, I started having buddies calling me and, and family members, my brothers, whatever. Man, you're in the final. Four wins, you can win the cup. And I, I was starting to, you know, think about it, how it would be unbelievable. And I believed that we could do it, but it wouldn't be a, an easy task. And uh, when when we finally the buzzer went on after Ruslan scored those uh, two game two goals in uh, game seven, and then having uh, Gary Batman come out and they have the cup there. Oh my God! I was I remember it. It's crazy. Just the the feeling. Just you think about all the stuff you've been through, minor hockey, the ups and downs, because it's not always a uh, you know. Uh, uh, things are not always so positive. There's always some tough times, but uh, that's what went through my mind. So that one was unreal. Uh, a lot of you could see the character of all uh, different uh, guys on the team. Um, just to see, uh, you know, the different guys uh, contributing as round after rounds. 
It was an unreal uh, moment for me, that's for sure. Brian, go ahead. Yeah. As you look back to your career, is there is there like a certain game or maybe a string of games where you felt like everything was going right for you? Where you, you know, like maybe not even on the stat sheet, but like where you felt like you were playing your best hockey? Uh, yeah, good question. I think uh, when I, uh, when after we won the cup, and I signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I didn't play in, except in a charity event that we go and tour here in Canada, playing different junior arenas. And I think that that was tough for me. That's uh, I, I should have probably at least go play in the American Hockey League or something like a lot of guys did. I just didn't play. And I because Europe was packed, they were allowed to let's say five imports or whatever. So all the the, the star players were there. So that was tough. So. Where I'm going with this is when I signed with Pitt, oh my God, I was kind of behind the fighting, the timing, the, the way I could play. Cause I, I could still play, but everything was, so that's why Pittsburgh was really tough for me. My confidence went like, I, I was like, man, what am I doing here? What, well, I felt like I wasn't part of a team or nothing. So after that first year, I got injured too. Uh, so, you know, the conditioning wasn't there that second year. Then uh, Tarion was the coach that, and I got healthy, scratched, um, and um, for I got healthy, scratched for what twelve, fourteen games. And I remember Tampa is in Pittsburgh. We're playing at the Mellon Arena. One morning, I'm getting back skate because guys that didn't play you have to do extra and skate on the ice. So I'm out there with two other guys, and 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 at the Mellon Arena. Uh, the way it's made, it's one team. The teams would come out of uh, the different corners, each yeah. extreme corners, you know. So then I see the trainers, Ray Till, and uh, a couple guys I still know that they're still there with the lightning. Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm not playing again. Uh, so I'm like, uh, you guys need a player or whatever. I'll play for you for free. I don't care, man. They, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm like, um, so he's like, oh, get out, you're funny. No, 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 we're, we're talking. So I'm like, man, I feel like going to their locker room and just say, putting a sweater and skate with them for their pregame skate or whatever, do something crazy. So the guy's like, you won't do it. I was like, yeah, watch me. So I go and I open the door and I walk towards the lightning. So they're all getting ready. They're, they're getting, and I knew a couple guys still, you know, because it was a year or two, a year and a half, whatever. Some guys had left, but I, I knew that St. Louis Boyle, uh, Vinny was there, uh, was Brad Richard. There was a couple guys still, Nolan Pratt. And so um, I go in the locker room and I, I walk in and I sit in the middle of the room while guys are all getting dressed and everybody's. Uh, so obviously I hear Marty St. Louis, the guys are giggling. <laughs> what are you doing, Andre? And, uh, but I remember uh, Paul Ranger, I think it was, and Nick Tarnaski. They're like, they, they're, they're looking around like, what, what the hell's going on? Did, did we just trade for this guy or what? So because I'm in, I'm in the lightning locker room with a Pittsburgh Penguins practice jersey still and I'm in the middle of the Tampa Bay and this is the NHL so but I just wanted to have make the guys kind of laugh you know and the trainers were laughing everybody but the new guys in Tampa were like man what's going on here they didn't get it so I was like let's go guys tonight seven big game let's go 
I'll play with you if you need a winger. I'm not playing anyway, so who cares? So guys are kind of <laughs> laughing. So I, I stood up and said, okay, guys, just kidding. Have a good game. Good luck. And then I, I, uh, I went back on the ice. Guys were like, you're crazy, whatever. So after the game, they, they won. So uh, you'll see where I'm going with this. This is a long detour I'm taking. But anyways, so after Lightning won the game, I walk out by the, the Lightning's uh, bus and Jay Feaster is there and Torts, hey, I heard what you did this morning. That's great. Eh? So Torts in a good mood. They just won. And I said, I said to Jay, I said, seriously, if you, you're interested, I'm, I'll, I'll run. I'll pedal to Tampa. Get me out of here. I'm not playing. I, I feel I have no confidence. What I, I think it was two weeks after they, they made a, an arrangement. They said, we'll put you on waivers on re-entry. The lightning will take you. So Ray Shiro came in. That's the other thing, because I got signed by Craig Patrick, and uh, uh, Ray Shiro, he got fired, and Ray Shiro came in, maybe, yeah, I wasn't part of the plans, whatever, but I, I was a healthy scratch, so anyways, to come back to this story, two weeks later, they put me on re-entry, and the Lightning, uh, they, they picked me, so I'm going back to Tampa, I was like, oh my God, oh my, and the feeling it, it gave me, it was unreal, and I remember... We're playing the next game. The next day, I flew in. Next day, we're playing Buffalo, and Torts told me he's like, "You're gonna, you're playing tomorrow, just so you know." So I was like, so all night, all afternoon, I start thinking. Uh, and Vinny, I remember because I talked to Vinny. I welcome Marty, and there was like, man, we're getting roughed up. They didn't have many guys that did the job. I think maybe I don't know if Kanupka was there back then or after. Maybe yeah, he came in after, but they didn't have anybody who uh, would come and and set the tone or protect some of the guys. So I remember when Torch told me that and Vinny said they're getting roughed up, that I said, tomorrow, first shift, I'm getting, I'm fighting Peters. Because Andrew Peters with, with, was with Buffalo. I said, whoever it was, I was going to fight. I didn't care. So obviously, first shift, I went to Peters. We fought. I, it went pretty well. And the building was like, ah, it was crazy. The noise in the building. And, and we won the game. And, after the other games, crowd started chanting my name when they needed something. So we won. Wow. We, at first I was, I was like, are they really chanting? Then I jumped on the eyes. They were like, yeah. So I was like, okay, I got to fight somebody. I got to hit somebody. So I'd go and just like a handsome brother in Slapshot, the movie. I would just crush guys and boards and want to fight whatever. The crowd would be like, we want, wow, we want. <laughs> so it's crazy. Add that to come back to the question finally. That moment, my confidence slowly came, and I was fighting guys, and I was doing well. It was crazy. The confidence came back, and Torts was was playing me pr pretty well, you know, on a regular basis. So uh, I think I, that was a good time in my my career, uh, even though it was maybe not the beginning of my career, but uh, it was a good moment where uh, the confidence gained on me. It was crazy. I felt appreciated. The, the team, the guys would always, good job, Andre, great fight. And that's all I needed, just to, to feel that you're part of the team. And that was one of the uh, the good moments in my career, you know, for sure. It was a long answer, but, uh, yeah. That was great. That was great. <laughs> what was it like going through Camp Torturella? Oh, my God. I'm I'm not the uh, the Carter type of guy, so right there it was uh, really tough for me. The first year I remember doing camp, and guys were like, "Be ready, it's tough." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." So 
I came to camp and and the run, the three mile run outside, uh, that wasn't my thing. I didn't. I'm not the best runner, you know. I can run, but it's a good pace. So I remember coming maybe second last. Last Rudy Boach, I came to camp one year. He finished last. So, anyways, but uh, towards camp, oh my god! Even if you're in good condition and good shape, you know you're sore after the two three days because. It's running, it's uh, six times three laps, the fastest you can. Then the next day is three times 12 laps. So 12 laps, you know, just three times you do it consecutively. Uh, so it's pretty uh, demanding. Then you have a little bit of off-ice, the, 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 you know, the squats and the bench and stuff like that. But it's, uh, it's a three, four, three, four, five. The three, four first days of camp are pretty, uh, you, you need to be ready. You know, it's very demanding on your body and yeah, it's, you got to be uh, prepared for sure, you know. But I think the way uh, Torts wanted to t the team to be uh, ready on the bat, you know, right from the puck drop on the first game of the night, the, the season. So uh, he wanted guys to be ready. And, uh, you know, we that's why we had some good starts, I think, under uh, Torts because guys were, were still ready and in good shape. But it was tough for sure to Torturella camp. I th I still think he does it in Columbus. I think he does. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. we'll do one more each. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. All right. So going through you know your career here, and I'm looking at all the teams that you played for. So when you played for Calgary, you had Gillen as your captain. You had yeah. Dave and Chuck in Tampa. You had Mario Lemieux for part in Pittsburgh. You had Ray Bork in Boston. You had Daniel Alfredson as your captain in Ottawa. Like, you've had some pretty yeah. crazy uh, big names as, as captains of those teams. So I was just kind of curious, like, how, how was it going between those those different captains and, like, what's some of the differences and whatnot between them and, and, and how they yeah. got the guys together and whatnot? Yeah. Well, 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 that's a question I get a lot. You know, there's very uh, – there's – there's a lot of similarities between those guys. That's why they're captains too. They're leaders. They have different personalities. But uh, every time I get like people like, so who's the player that that you were the most impressed? But all the guys you just name, I, I think uh, Sid, Mario, uh, Iggy. Ig Iggy is something too. But Marty St. Louis too was was something to to see. Um, I think you know. Uh, the Iggy, well, let's say if I start in Boston, Ray, I talked about him a little bit. Uh, Ray, uh, just a leader, a veteran, well-respected. Around the league, too, on the ice, guys respected Ray Bork for, for what he brought in that. Um, just a good gentleman. And, and he was just like Daniel Alfredson after. Daniel Alfredson, really quiet, doesn't talk much. But uh, he leads by example, just like Iginla on the ice. I think Iggy's not the guy that's going to talk the most in the room, but he goes out there and uh, I need to fight. Boom, boom. Iggy could do that. Or he would go out and score goals and just sit and do. When he was pissed off, Iggy, you'd be like, oh my God, tonight he's going to, you know, you could tell when he goes out there and he's just on his game. It was wow. Just like all, all the guys, Alfie was just unreal with the puck. So smooth, Swedish guys, soft hands. Uh, he, he was he, just fun to watch. He would set up everybody else on the ice there. Plus, he could score goals. A gentleman, good leader also. 
Um, Mar Mario, you know what, Mario, I was so intimidated because he was one of my idol, you know, growing up. So I remember, uh, well, first off, when he called me to sign there as a free agent, they needed that. I was like, man, Mario, thank God. Like, Mario, the muse. My buddies and everybody, Mario, the muse. Hey, Mario, what's <laughs> up, buddy? How you doing? Yeah, I saw Andre. Yeah. So anyway, so, uh, but uh, I remember I had that talk with, and I was like, man, I just talked to Mario. It was crazy, just like a little kid in a candy store. But then I remember it was like, I was, I'm known also to be kind of funny, loosen up the guys, have fun. But in pit with Mario, I knew he was kind of the owner and the career he had, I, It's like I felt like I, I couldn't go too far and cross the line because I felt he was kind of examining me, you know, like looking at me. If, if I go too far, like, who is this guy? Get him out of here, you know. So I didn't want to cross the line. So I was more delicate, let's say. But uh, just awesome to play with him and Sid and uh, and St. Uh, well, in Tampa, yeah. Andy, obviously, I we talked about him earlier too, uh, just uh, – So many games played in the league, so many years. He's seen, he's been there, done that too. And uh, he was the old school type, you know, guy that, that likes to drink a beer, have a beer after games, whatever. But next day he showed up, he's there on the rink, first got the rink and works hard. So it's unreal to see that. Then the game changed you know, the, from Andrew Chuck to Crosby. It's a, a little different to see, but they all have those qualities of leaders and that's why they're captain. But To come back to Marty, Marty was the one who impressed me the most just because, not because Vinny, all the guys were, were fun to watch, but Marty, just the size, never drafted. Everybody always told him he would never uh, make it because of his size, but just, you know, and, and a lot of times you see guys, they get hit, fall down, look at the ref, and uh, Marty, you would hit him, he'd go back, back up, he'd spin on you in front of the net trying to battle. Just the way he compete for loose pucks, and he's a true competitor. He's fun to watch, and when you see that as a team, it, it, it just uh, it, it goes. Uh, it, it, it gives you the you just want to go out there and do the same. You know, it's crazy what he uh, uh, what he puts out there. It uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It uh, it uh, like the water yeah. here. It, it detains on all the other guys. It uh, yeah. So yeah. It is, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, pretty much that it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Thirsty I'm... after talking like that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so if, you, if you want to steer away from this question, it's okay. But I got to ask, um, could you describe what, you, what the rivalry was like with, with uh, Riley Cote? What, what, what went down there? Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, I, I get that a lot because when you click my name, first thing you see is that that one fight that uh, he caught me there on the chin. Uh, it's it's uh, it was a good rivalry, and Riley Cote is a tough kid, tough kid. Uh, he would go anybody, lefty also. I had some good scraps with him. Um, and, and I always did good, you know, until that was the fourth one, uh, with him. I think uh, we fought about four times and, uh, I fought him in the first period. It went well, went my way, I'd say. And the second one, I remember being on the ice a little bit and, uh, there was like a scrumble, all five guys grabbing each other. And then Cote came at me, said, you want to go again? And I, I was kind of in the middle of, a. You, you never fight when you're kind of exhausted, out of breath. Or, not that I was out of breath, but I wasn't maybe uh, 
you know, and I remember because I saw a clip of me who you hear him. I don't know who's Mike, if it's a referee nearby him or he's like, we're go. you want to go again? So I'm like, not right now. And then he's like, let's go. He drops the glove and everybody has a partner. And it's us too. Cause I went in to grab him because he tried to go at a guy. He's like, you want to go again? So he dropped his glove and I was like, I, I said, no, not right now. But then I was like, ah, oh, let's do it. Let's, you know, let's do it. And, and I think it's, it's my fault a little bit. I kind of went in on Shalom. You see me a little bit. I'm kind of dancing and I'm in the corner against the glass. I don't know. If I'd redo that, I would change it totally. But anyways, it, it is what it is. But I remember taking, like he pulled on my sleeve like this and I came out underneath and I took my elbow pad off. And I, as I took it off, he came in with a left and I was like, so he called me on the chin in the right spot. So I had like a whip flash, you call, like, you know, when you hit your head or something like, so my knees buckled and then I realized, oh my, he probably caught me, you know, so I went to the box and uh, that's where, uh, you know, I'm in the box. They're showing the replay nonstop in Philly. It's Philly, Philly fans. Yeah, So I'm getting chirp. It's okay. It's part of the game, you know. And and I, in my mind, all I'm saying to myself, I was like, man, I'm going in again, and I'm fired up. I'm pissed off because uh, because of what happened. You know, we're all proud athletes, and and at that moment when I I realized, I knew he caught me once I was down, and I I got up, I went to the bench. But you know, we're pride, we're all proud athletes, and I was thinking, you know, I I let down the guys on the bench and. My, my family, my brothers, my buddies, you think all that. And I'm, I'm like, man, this is, it's not going to go like this. I'm going to fight him a third time and we're going. So, and then they're showing the replay and I'm pissed off. So I went back in the room and the guys, you know, guys are all nice because they know it's a tough job. You know, what we do, you, you fight all the toughest guys, I think, in the world. The NHL and in my era was all the tough guys. You know, he named some of them, the, the Brashear Domi, uh, Olewa Simon, you name him. But uh, so I went back in the room and I remember uh, Torrance came and asked me uh, to come see him. So I went see him. He's like, are you OK? And I was like, yeah, I'm OK. And I'm starting the period. He's like, uh, no, no, you're not. Starting. I was like, yeah, I'm starting the period, Torrance. So he's like, and I'm, I'm fired up. I'm like, I'm starting the fucking period. I'm sorry. So anyways, he's like, no, you, you stay here. You, you get undressed. You're done. I was like, no. Then he got me. That pissed me off when he told me that because I felt like he was just, he's done that before to me too. You know, that's why there's some stuff. Uh, I'm not going to go on that far, but I, I remember I took a penalty in 03, uh, in 03. Yeah against the devil, uh, against the Washington Capitals in the first round. And, and I just came into to Abby Bullen, got hit on his glove, and I pushed Jeff Alper, and he took a dive. They called me roughing. They scored, and he treated me. He yelled at me. He was pissed. And you think, I want to take a penalty? No, but anyways, after the period, he told me to get undressed. So I was like, I didn't know what to do. And he's like, get undressed. So I did get undressed. I went home, and after the team went, on the road, I'll come back to the question again. I'm, I'm going to another way. So uh, they went on the road game two, three, four, and I was home. And I was like, why am I home? Why, why am I away from the team? That, you know, so 
that came back in my mind that that night in Philly where he's like, get undressed. I'm like, no, I'm not getting undressed. And I'm starting the period. I'm going to fight Kote, and then I'll be out of the game because it was three fights. And then you coach your game. You do whatever. I'll be out of the game anyways. You put me. It's like, no, I can't do that. You stay here. I was like, fuck that. I'm not staying here. You know, as a player, I'm part of the team. All every night after night, I go and fight all the tough guys. I just wanted a minimum of respect, you know. Just that's the way I see it because I know guys respected what I did, and and I'm not that I'm not saying Torts has no respect, but that night, you know, the fact that he said that and he did that in the past, I didn't want to go through that again. And I was like, no, I'm part of team, and I'm going on the bench no matter what, even if I'm not starting a period. So I went on the bench by by myself because he told me to get undressed. So I'm on the bench, and obviously, again, the replays are coming on from my fights, which I, I guess you're not allowed to do in in, uh, in rings because I don't know whatever. But and then fans are like, "Hey, why?" You know, you hear the, all the the trash talk, you know, and all I can do is just you know I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, and I just want to go and uh, so I'm pretty fired up. And uh, I remember during a TV timeout, Scott Hartnell skated by and he, he cheered me like, you're a joke. You got your, your ass whoop or whatever, you know. So I, I was like, shut up. You know, I, I, went, I went off on him, on Hartnell. And uh, I think I jumped on the ice also because I was so fired up. It was a TV timeout. I jumped on the ice and the linesmen, they got in front of me, you know. And then I was stopped by the red I was at the red line about to go on the Flyers bench, whatever I was doing. And and then Kote was there. That's when uh, Arnold was kind of blowing me kisses and whatever. And I'm fired up, obviously. Um, so uh, I, I, I go back on the bench. And that's where you see Torts. He grabs me and sit down because the ref said, yeah, he, uh, control, control walk because he's out of there. And I'll give you guys a bench, minor bench penalty, whatever. So... I'm just, you know, I just, that, that's a moment where I snap and I regret it. I'm not proud of it, but, you know, in the heat of the moment, emotions sometimes get the better of you. Um, it, it, it was part of my job, too, you know, to be fired up in that. And and I think just the whole buildup around this, the, the what just happened, then the replays on the boards, fans chirping me, towards telling me to stay in the room and, all that mixed together got me so uh, – I was very emotional, very pissed off, all kinds of emotions going through my body. And then Kote got up. I said, I'm going to – then you see it. I'm not proud of it, but I shouldn't have done that. But it's, like I said, my emotions, I was just out of it at that time. I was like, I'm going to fight you and you. You're dead. I'm going <laughs> to grab you and beat the shit out of – and doing the slash throats. But again, like I said, I'm I'm not proud of it. And uh, you kids at home, whatever, who's watching, don't do that. It's not good. It's uh, but uh, I said, hey, they do it in wrestling, right? You know, they do stuff. And uh, but anyway, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that's what went on pretty much. So uh, you know, it just uh, the emotions got the better of me that night. And uh, you know, like I said, I regret it. But what it's done, what I would have liked from towards is just. To reassure me that I'm part of the team, I'm going to get another opportunity, you know, but maybe not right now. You're important and keep your head up. That's a, the type of stuff that you want to hear from a coach, you know. You feel that he's with you, that he's 
you know, you're not just put in the corner uh, because of just what happened. You get undressed, see ya, you know. So, and after that, we went to Jersey, and I I got called in Jay Feaster's uh, room late at night at the hotel. He told me that I was going back to Tampa um, because Tort's not going to play me on the rest of the road trip. We were on a little road trip. So I was like, really? Is this going to go on again? So, uh, but that was after anyway. So, uh, so a lot of stuff were said in that. But yeah, so that's what uh, went on, I guess, on that night with Riley Cote. But, you know, he did his job. I did mine. And that, that second fight of the, that game that night, just, uh, you know, I got caught. Every tough guy, I think Bob Probert, you're wearing your jersey, your Detroit uh, Red Wings jersey. Probert got cut by a Dave Morissette, who was a minor league guy. That boom, you could see it. Uh, Ty Domi got buckled. Uh, Rob Ray, everybody gets, uh, happens everybody. you know, yeah, it happens to everybody, you know, and it's just, I should have just maybe, but it's easier to say than to do, you know, because like I said, you're so proud, you're so, uh, you, uh, you know, you feel the, the stuff that goes through your mind. You feel I, like I was so much, as much I was angry, I was sad. Like, I feel like, I mean, do I want to cry or do I want to just get pissed off? I was like, I felt like I let down everybody. It's crazy what went through my mind. So, uh, yeah, so it just came out that way. And uh, like I said, I, I apologize again <laughs> because I'm not proud of that. And yeah, I'm just so I wish it, it, couldn't, it wouldn't be on YouTube and that, you know, but what you want to do, it was part of my career. We'll, we'll get you out of here with this. Um, you're six foot four. And I understand your first car was a Toyota Paseo. How did you fit <laughs> in that thing? That's impossible. Oh my God. And, and oh. Uh, you know, maybe just, uh, we have all, this, this podcast does all sports. So I know a lot of our fans have not heard the Stewie apron story. So maybe like yeah, throw yeah. that in there. <laughs> exactly. Well, the first question, the Paseo, I would drive like this. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a small car, seriously. My head was in the roof. I had a sunroof. But anyways, I would put my seat way back down. It was a, a shifter, you know, five-speed yeah. speed shifter anyways. So, but I, I remember my seat was at the furthest and the, the lean way to back in the, on the seat there. It was, I had fun with that car, first car, you know, driving it around. But yeah, it's crazy when I tell people, yeah, I had a Paseo, my first car when I was 18 anyways. But uh, yeah, I had fun <laughs> with it. And uh, yeah, back to the apron. Uh, it's funny, that's the 2004 uh, cup run that was in the third round against the Flyers. Game six in Philly, we're up by two goals. I think we're up by two goals. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And there's like about five minutes left, and we're we're gonna go in the Stanley Cup Finals if we win that. So five minutes left, we're up by two goals. So they, uh, I think they scored a late goal to make it three two. And then they pulled their goalie and made it three three. And then the building and Philly crazy. Wow. You know, like I said, the orange uh, Cheetos arena was going nuts there. Uh, so we're going in overtime, and, and we're like, we're confident that. But then in OT, I think it was Primo again. Primo scored two or three that game. Uh, so Keith Primo scores that goal. We lose the game, and we're, we're bummed out, obviously. We thought, we thought we were going to the Stanley Cup final. So basically, we go to the airport. We're chartering because they're, they're charter planes. We get on the plane. 
And uh, there's not a word, not a sound. The ride, the bus ride to the airport, not a word. Everybody's just so, you know, we're like, oh, my God, we just dropped a big game there. So we get on the plane, same thing, and uh, it's so quiet. And I remember uh, Marty St. Louis comes and sits by me. He's like, push, push over. So I'm like, hey, Marty, what's up? I'm listening to music, whatever. I was like, hey, what's up, buddy? Tough one. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, look at this. I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, look, look at the plan. It's like we're, we're it's like we're done. Like we lost game seven where we got one more game back home. Oh, my advantage. Like, yeah, what do you want me to say, Marty? Well, we'll get him game seven. He's like, no, no, look at this. It's it feels like we got eliminated by uh, the, the, the Flyers just beat us and, and we're done. We got one more game. Now that's I'm like. Yeah, he's like, you got to do something, Andre. You got to do something. I'm like, I should do something what? I don't want to do something with towards the, the media or whatever. Fuck them, you know, go and do something. I was like, I don't know. So as we're taking off, you know, we're about to take off. And uh, all of a sudden, we hear a loud noise boom, in the back of the plane. So everybody's like, what, what's this? So we see one of the stewardesses laying in the, uh, in the, in the hall uh, and the little uh, – the hallway there that, that goes between the seats, you know, she just passed out because she didn't eat. She was, I don't know, tired, didn't get much sleep, whatever, dehydrated. So she fell down. Trainer comes in the back. So I'm like, oh, I got an idea. I think I'll, I'm going to be a stewardess tonight. So I went in the back of the plane and guys didn't know, you know. So Marty's like, yeah, it's like, I got it. I got it. Shh, just wait. So I got in the back and I asked the other, there was two uh, stewardess. So I'm like, in the she's in the aisle. That's the word I was looking for. So I was like, "Do you have a, do you have another apron?" It's like, "Why?" I was like, "Just I'll help you out." She's like, "No, no, you go sit. No, no, please let me help you. Just just a little bit. It'll be good." And she's like, "Well, there's one." Uh, so I was like, "Oh, thank you." So I grab the apron. I get naked in the in the back. There, I close the little curtain. So I got butt naked. I just have the apron on. I tie it in the back. So obviously my butt is showing in the back. <laughs> the apron's about to my, my mid knees, you know, uh, mid, mid ties. So anyways, I, uh, so I grabbed, there's a cookie tray. So I grab a cookie tray and then I, I have the cookies. So I, <laughs> I go and I, I open the curtain. So I start going the aisle. Hi guys, would you like a cookie tonight? We got chocolate chip, macadamia, and uh, tough to use. Hi, would you like a cookie? So I went all the way up in in in, uh, <laughs> in the aisle, almost to the media. I grabbed one of the cookies. I squeezed it between my butt cheeks too to try to <laughs> make the guys laugh even more. So I had chocolate chip cookie on my butt, everywhere on my ass. Anyways, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I looked like I had uh, <laughs> anyways poop, but it it was just funny. Guys started. <laughs> So I guess Torts was in the bathroom. He heard the guys laughing, but he's like, "Was is that Andre again?" Was is that? And they're like, "Oh yeah." So they told Torts. He was like, "That's great. That's great." So anyway, so yeah, so I served cookies, uh, butt naked in the aisle there uh, for the guys, and uh, everybody had a good laugh out of it, you know. So I, then I went back. I say, "I kind of like it. I'm going to stay in my apron naked." So uh, anyway, no, no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had a good uh, chuckle out of it for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That answer was worth everything tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. I hope it was good for you and all your listeners. Uh, it's always fun to talk with you, some hockey fans. And uh, good luck with your podcast, too.
It was great. So thank you so much, Andre. Well, remember to uh, subscribe to that YouTube channel and join the Facebook group. And uh, just thank you, everybody who's been watching. Have a good night. Thank you, Andre. Awesome. Good All job, right.